Dungeons and Dopamine. Ta-da! This is Jess Worsniak. And this is Dungeons and, and Dopamine. Dopamine. Week 12. 12! That's like three whole months. That's one more than 11. It is. <laughs> Yay, math. double digits. <laughs> I'm crying. Like my luckiest number, but I made Jessica cry already <laughs> in this episode. It's beautiful. But I was really excited to talk to you guys, okay? She was. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> so, we were talking before before the we incident. do that sometimes. <laughs> and we were talking about YouTubers. Yes. <laughs> YouTubers. Or influencers. Sure. What are they, I don't know. I don't know what Content creators. Ooh, content creators. Yeah, I mean, is that, that sounds be our cool. Yeah. Content creators. I mean, it kind of is for me, Dopam- for you. Dopamine stars. <laughs> Podcast stars. Drug deliverers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like influencer feels more like um, brand deals and stuff like, like that. Yeah, like I should be wearing a specific brand of clothes. And or we should do makeup tutorials or something. You know, funny enough. When I was creating our Reddit, because we have a Reddit. We have a Reddit. We, well, we have a Reddit username and a Reddit subreddit, thanks to your, thanks to your husband, because I did not consider a subreddit. <laughs> but when you are setting up a Reddit, you kind of, you have to pick like your interests sure. so that it can create your feed or whatever you want to call sure. it. I was trying to pick things that both of us liked. Oh, sure. Or even stuff that maybe one of us liked but the other person didn't. And I thought it was very interesting on the things that both you and I do not like and some of the things that we do like. So While you look for that, yes, we have a Reddit. She's looking. We were talking about YouTubers. Yes. The tubes. And are there any... In particular, you know who I'm going to talk about. Yes. But are there any in particular besides them that you like? Well, in case we don't remember, <laughs> Brienne has problems with videos. <laughs> she either falls asleep or she gets overwhelmed. Yes. So, literally don't know if I've ever sat through a YouTube video in the last 15 years. Then the only content creators I know are the ones you are going to talk about that we just (laughs) talked about and a couple tiktok stars that i learned about like adhd and anxiety like elise oh i love elise elise myers she posted a great one today or yesterday about (gasps) hobbies Ooh. and how with adhd we get so hyper focused on hobbies you know it's really scary how your adhd and my husband's adhd coincide because he did this with a 3d printer Ooh, yep. And it did not cost one hundred dollars. <laughs> nope. And I have very few three D printed things. You know, same. Mm-hmm. My husband also thought he was going to get into three D printing. I'm fine with it. 
<laughs> right. I feel like I'm more like I'm I'm gonna get into this hobby and then I don't even buy stuff for it. So and if I just... do, I I do do the hobby. So yeah. So do you just like get stuck on the research part and you get I guess so, really yeah. excited about it through the research and then that's enough of the dopamine that you're like, meh. I guess so. And I'm also weirdly like if I know that I want to do something, I just do it. So I guess if I decided I was going to have a hobby, even if all I had was the bare bones materials, I would do it. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't stop me. You couldn't talk me out of it. You couldn't convince me it was a bad idea. I was going to do it. Like chickens. I've never started chickens because I've never had like the umph to actually do it. I still tell people I'm going to have chickens and someday I hope to have chickens. But when I decide to have chickens, it's going to be like a Friday afternoon and I'm going to go get the chickens and all of the chicken things. Yes, I have done that. Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but you have stuck with the chickens. Yes. Maybe I it's... mean, mostly because <laughs> they have a place to live already. Sure. And they also make you laugh, and that yes. helps. And they're rather resilient once they get established. Except for coyotes. Unless and the foxes. Coyotes and the and foxes raccoons. And the raccoons. And snakes. And, <laughs> and eagles. And... <laughs> and I feel like your ADHD, you don't, you don't have a lot of hobby hobbies. You don't yeah. get into knitting or crocheting or needlepoint or anything. But your obsessions do often come with a lot of <laughs> projects and projects and stuff. items. Yeah. Like you have always been more of a collector. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, oh, I'm going to collect these cute little dragon figurines and then I never buy another one. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to collect these cute backpacks. And now you have <laughs> feel many? like I feel like you're targeting me. How right many now. backpacks do you have? Specifically the lounge fly style one. Okay, wait, though. I only have two lounge flies. The lounge fly style. <laughs> I think I have four, mm -hmm. which is not that many. No. But I also have several <laughs> Ahsoka Tano items that are similar to backpacks, like purses, yep. wallets, travel <laughs> accessories. Mm-hmm. There was a fossil phase. Oh, yes. Which is still in effect. Definitely. Now I've just moved on to these like kitschy um, like lounge flies and stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a Blue's Clues lounge fly. I love that. <laughs> I, I would take a picture with it. All the money on those lounge fly backpacks at that store. Oh my gosh, box, box lunch. lunch. Yes. Um, <sighs> mine except lights that up. I ran out of places to display things because <laughs> I'm building all a hole of my upstairs. walls are covered with books now. Really I'm actually dying to help you with that. Your plant, like window. Mm -hmm. I want, I want my hands on that so badly. Someday, someday. <laughs> so YouTubers. Yes. Um, I have a, like a huge list of them. Viva Literally mm -hmm. is one of my YouTubers. I love them. <laughs> if you guys haven't, because I've only talked about them a couple times, you should check out Viva Literally. Absolutely. You should consider supporting them. And They're us. Hilarious. Us first, Ex then them. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Viva. I love you guys. 
So, Viva is like my top of the list. Um, I like some of the really popular ones like Markiplier and Jacksepticeye. Mm -hmm. They play video games. And the one I was trying to get to is Brandon Ferris. Oh, Brandon Ferris. You messaged me the other day because our Dungeons and Dopamine Facebook page follows Brandon. Of course. And... (laughs) Popped up with a notification, and that was weird. Well, I would I would call it a fake notification. So a notification <laughs> sounds like a fake notification. I'm in. You, I, that was a, a word. That was like a Freudian. That is beautiful. <laughs> I I totally did it on purpose. I know. So um, it popped up, and you messaged me, and you were like, "I saw this," and it basically said Brandon and a couple other people we follow had posted videos, but you were like, they're in our notifications feed. Brandon said something about our podcast. Yeah, I'm used to that notification being Brandon Ferris shared something relevant to you. Or commented on your page or liked one of your photos or something. something. Not just a notification to tell me that they (laughs) did stuff. And then I, I tried to like message it to the people who are on there just to see if anyone would notice and no one did but yet yet but we love brandon i love brandon number one because we have the same birthday same birthday but also because my kid adores him so does mine and even when he gosh connor we probably started watching brandon ferris when connor was like three or four he had the speech delay but he knew Funny Brandon. Yep. They call, he called him Funny Brandon. And every <laughs> I love day, that. Can we watch Funny Brandon? <laughs> Until we had watched all of the Brandon videos. Connor really likes tarantulas all of a sudden. Yes. And it 100% is because of Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> because. Look what you've done, Brandon. We watched that video with the tarantula in the car. I don't watch the one where he eats the freeze-dried tarantula <laughs> or whatever kind of madness he was doing. But he does I, several of those. I skip a lot of the eating ones. I don't mind the videos where he's like trying food from other countries or even too sour or too spicy, but the weird stuff super freaks me out. So we don't watch that. But the tarantula video where he lets his sister's tarantula <laughs> loose in his car (laughs) i die and it's connor's favorite still and now we are no longer scared of spiders and we like tarantulas because of brandon ferris so So, thanks brandon in our household we can't watch brandon while we eat because brandon (laughs) spits a lot so if i'm eating while that happens i start feeling sick and there's a few times where he's spit and it's like stuck in his beard and stuff like that yes exactly so brandon stop spitting and (laughs) i'll watch again while i'm eating but so we've stopped doing that important i am i am the single most important viewer yes and you must adjust everything you do for me and she has to watch it constantly even while she's eating (laughs) exactly so i I have been watching him but it's usually like while i'm working Mm -hmm. or he'll be running in the background or that kind of thing and my daughter just like connor carly has been like hey how come we haven't watched brandon in a while we need to catch up on brandon and I totally agree with her, but I'm like, Carly, we can't watch him while we're eating because 
I can't handle it. Specific times <laughs> when mom is ready for that exactly. type of. I have to be mentally prepared. And then he also, he's like spread his channels out a little bit. He now has a couple behind the scenes things that are hilarious. And you get a little bit more of like the old school Brandon. Okay. As opposed to like the goofy, I'm doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Brandon. And, and now I have money to do crazy stuff. <laughs> Because oh in the beginning it was like Google Translate makes a cake and Love destroys Google a Translate. household at the same time. We should have Google Translate one of our episodes. Brandon, thanks so much. <laughs> this is all because of you. <laughs> you are our inspiration. <laughs> what what brought you dopamine? Speaking of topics. Well, it is week twelve. Twelve which means it's another real estate day. Yay. And I really tried hard to put something together for like first time home buyer, anxious buyer seller situations. And I'm still working on that, but it just didn't come together the way I wanted it to for this. So if anybody has questions, you should send them to us or suggestions on things that really help you or helped you when you were buying or selling. Or what really worries you. Obviously I don't want it to be boring. So I would love if people could send me questions that they've had or maybe if you've already been through the process something you really enjoyed that your (sighs) lender or your realtor did so I remember calling you when we were thinking about moving because you're working with a mortgage company and I said please make this easy for me and you did. It was so easy. Yes. I mean, it's still had all the stressors of yeah, moving and, and stuff. And but you had kind of a weird hiccup towards the end of yours. <laughs> I want people to know that there's usually always a way through it or just that it's common. It's just such a process. Today's topic is just random, weird real estate problems. Just to kind of give people a heads up on why you should find a good local lender and why you should find a good local realtor because it's these little nuances that can really make or break a deal and make or break your experience. And real estate is such a weird profession or weird area to be in anyway. Like everybody assumes pretty much anybody involved with a real estate transaction is probably shady. First off, make sure you find people that you trust and watch out for people that are only out for the money. And you can tell, usually. Um, somebody that's encouraging you to you know, bid super high on a house that just doesn't seem worth it, or a lender that promises you one thing and then at the end of the transaction, you are paying a lot more money than you expected or something weird has changed. Some of that is just bad people. Then some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today is stuff that came up during particular files or transactions that maybe were very frustrating or seemed like we were out to get them or we were only doing it to frustrate them, but are legitimate rules with these certain loan types or certain types of housing. And I'm going to start with my time at the mortgage company. I worked at the mortgage company for two years and the mortgage company I worked at specifically focused on the main four mortgage type, conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, and RD, rural development loans. That was my first type of loan. Yeah. And all of them are good loans. All of them have pros and cons. 
but if you don't understand those different loan types and what they mean, it can be very frustrating to find out that there are different rules for somebody who is buying a house with an FHA loan than somebody who is buying a house with a conventional loan. Same, um, I believe someone viewed my house that I was selling who had a VA loan and they couldn't put in an offer on that house because of something. Something specific in the house I wonder wouldn't if it allow was it. Like your weird little crawl space. That could be. I don't yeah. I don't remember what it was. I think they told us, but they just couldn't. So starting with VA. VA is a great loan. It's for veterans or spouses of veterans that have passed away. They that is also an Wait, option. They let the ghosts <laughs> of the veterans file. Yes. The ghost has to come back and sign the paperwork. Dang, no wonder it's so hard. It is. But they're very specific on the types of house you can buy. They also require weird things like most loans do not require a pest inspection. A VA loan does require a pest inspection. Uh They also dictate who can pay what costs in a loan. So typically with conventional or FHA or RD, like your closing fee, your pest inspection fee, all of that would be a buyer paid cost, something you pay at closing. With the VA loans, for some reason, they won't allow the veteran to pay those fees. So if a seller chooses a VA loan, they are also agreeing that they're going to pay extra money because the buyer's not allowed to. So this became a problem in this market because VA loans were being passed over and over and over and over because the sellers were getting other offers that didn't require these extra yeah yeah you gotta didn't have as many rules and requirements yeah something good that has come from this market is that some of these problem type loans started easing up on some of these requirements so VA you've got these extra costs you have to pay FHA is a also a great loan it requires a little bit less down than a typical conventional loan what does it stand for federal housing administration okay i thought as long those lines yes and it allows buyers with maybe lower credit scores lower income lower down payments to be able to afford and get into home ownership the problem with fha and a story that always sticks out to me is they again have a lot of weird random requirements so one that i think of every time was at the mortgage company this client must have been buying out a land contract or because he already lived in the house and if you've never dealt with a land contract typically you put a large amount of money down you pay for it you pay a monthly fee with interest and whatever for a certain amount of years and then there's usually a balloon clause at the end which just says that after four years you have to buy out the rest of this contract and land contracts are usually used for buyers that maybe can't get a traditional mortgage at that time whether it's because their their income doesn't look right on paper or they have another house they need to sell first or they have a credit issue but if they don't manage this last clause at the end this the balloon payment they can lose the house and it can revert back to the original owners 
and all of that money and all of the work and all of the time you've put into it during that land contract is basically just poof gone. So this guy calls, he needs, he needs this loan. He has to satisfy this balloon clause in this land contract. And everything's going fine until the appraisal comes in and the appraiser had noted that the house was on a private drive. FHA will not lend or fund any loans for property that are on a private drive unless there is either an easement or there has to be a private road agreement with all of the neighbors on the road, which is very frustrating. I feel like they've loosened up on it a little bit. The more frustrating part about this particular house is it was on a corner. It ended up at the end of this process being cheaper and easier and faster for this client to actually go and apply for a new driveway permit and have a new driveway put in than it was to satisfy this private road rules through Holy FHA. cow! Yeah. One of those things that could have killed the deal. Wow. And, and it was always something like that. It was um, manufactured homes. Manufactured homes are a huge issue. So if you want to buy a manufactured home in Michigan and you want to use a general loan type, conventional FHA, I'm not sure VA even finances them anymore, and RD gets super picky about things too. You can never get a mortgage on a manufactured home that's older than 1976. They just won't do it. There's a minimum size now. Most old single wide manufactured homes will not qualify. It has to be double wide or bigger in most cases. Some of the newer ones you might get a, away with some, a smaller size. You have to pay a separate fee to have a structural inspection done on the home which is usually five to six hundred dollars. Holy. And the structural inspection has to prove that the manufactured home has never been moved since it was placed there. It has to show that it's permanently affixed so it's on some sort of foundation or footings. The wheels have been removed all manufactured homes up to a certain point had basically on the front of the trailer like an information tag. I think they called it a HUD tag or something. Like when it was built, just all this weird information. But nobody knew what it was. So a lot of the issue we'd run into is that plate would have been removed at some point when they were redecorating or repainting or yeah, moving yeah. things around. So we wouldn't be able to find this plate, which is a requirement to be able to finance a manufactured home and until a certain year they actually used to title manufactured homes like a car and we actually ran into a situation again they were already living in the property at some point in the process we discovered that it had had a title so we tracked down the title and there's an old lien holder still on the title so to clear the title we have to find the lien holder and get it removed oh my god impossible it was the 80s whatever company it was didn't exist anymore all kinds of crazy stuff like the only way to fix it it turns out is to find all the documentation basically proving that you didn't have a lien on it anymore or that it had been paid off or somehow wouldn't exist anymore and then apply to an office in Lansing that is at the time run by one single person who had weeks worth of files and wait for him to be able to get to your file, determine if you have the right information, and then he could 
release a new title. It took literally seven months Holy before cow. we were able to close that deal because we were waiting on this one person. There was another manufactured home that was gorgeous. You couldn't even tell it was a manufactured home anymore, but the original part of the house had been like a 1974 single wide trailer. And even though it had been built and changed and didn't look anything like it anymore, they still considered it a manufactured home from 1974 and we could not finance it. So the only way to get loans on manufactured homes that are either built before that, don't work for this, the size, the age, or are not located on an actual property, you have to get either some credit unions will do like a portfolio loan so it'll be um, funded straight through that credit union and they'll hold that loan the whole time and then if those options don't work or especially if you're trying to buy a manufactured home in a park or in a community you have to get a personal loan for it which can be 10 to 12 percent so we talked about FHA we talked about manufactured homes rural development is another great loan it's a zero down loan but only applies to certain areas that are considered rural. We have a lot here in our area because we're rural towards the north, but they have a lot of stipulations on how much money you can make. If you have anybody living with you, they typically require all adults to be on the loan. So if your husband doesn't credit qualify, you don't. They also had weird limits on how much land you could own, even though oh. it was a rural development loan. Yeah. So we had another deal that was stuck for months because rural development would only allow up to two acres and this property had like 10. So to be able to buy it, she the seller actually had to do a land split, a legal land split, which takes a bunch of time. Sure. And have that two acres with the house separated from the rest of the land which they then sold separately that's so frustrating it, and that's another thing that i know has changed but i still don't think it's great the other thing to know is underwriter underwriters are getting really sneaky and really resourceful and nosy again mishta no longer requires that all adults be on the loan but when they did we would we would get calls from the underwriters or conditions from the underwriters and if you don't know what an underwriter is in the mortgage business it's basically the rule follower that sits in the back and goes through all of your documents and all of your things and makes sure that everything fits the requirements in their little handbook if they if it was a client that was applying for a mishta loan and they were the only ones on the loan the underwriter would look into their facebook and see if they had a serious relationship or a fiance or something along those lines and then and they'd call them out or there's certain types of loans if you get gifted money they require you can only get money from specific relationships so what? you can only accept a gift from your parents your grandparents your direct like aunt uncle uh, and then they have this really vague or basically special friend or long-term friend but that friend if if it was a family friend that you've known for 30 years they would actually have to provide documentation that they have known you 
for most of your life and that they spend a bunch of time with you and that they care about you enough to gift you money. So we had a couple, they had been together for a while. They were planning on living together, but they weren't engaged yet. And we kind of just, you know, well, today you're engaged. Like, this is your gift letter. This is how we're going to get them the money. But they checked their Facebook and there was no announcement of the engagement and they hadn't updated their status. It was a big deal. I hate that. Yes, it was like incredibly invasive and just astounding to me that that they could make these rules and then so stingily hold to them. I hate that. So one thing that came up recently and going back back to FHA, a lot of these loan types also don't want to like deal with flip houses or don't want to finance them. Sure. So there are FHA rules that say a house cannot be sold within 90 days of the last time it was sold. And if it is, then FHA won't finance it. And if it's been sold within the last six months, it requires two appraisals. Or if, if the amount that it sold for the first time is a certain percentage lower than whatever it's listed for now, they'll require a second appraisal. And then the last part of the lending that I wanted to talk about is appraisals. Appraisals are given a lot of weight in a mortgage transaction, which again is ridiculous to me because an appraisal is only the opinion of one person And if value comes in low on an appraisal, then the buyer and the seller, or the buyer's agent and the seller's agent, essentially have to fight out who's gonna give up this value. And 90% of the time, if it was gonna come in low, it was gonna come in really low. But if it only comes in a couple thousand dollars low, anytime I've tried to argue with the appraiser or provide extra comps or give extra reasons, nobody wins. The appraiser always has the final say, and if they're stubborn about it, then their word is gold. They also are the ones that get to choose what needs to be fixed on a house to be able to be sold. And it's never consistent. Um, The only thing that is ever consistent is the lead-based paint and GFCIs in the bathroom. Um, Sometimes this can delay closing because if it's requiring paint and it's winter, then you have to set up an escrow to make sure that the painting gets done when it when the weather's better. But then somebody has to put up more money to put in an escrow account so that someday the house can be painted. And then the last part about my lending um, and where your story comes in is the credit part. Yeah. So a lo- <laughs> I, I won't give a whole big talk about credit because I could go on for days, but there are a lot of weird things about credit that mortgage companies look at. One of the biggest things is medical debt is hardly ever considered anymore. Unless you are actively making payments on a medical debt, we usually were able to ignore those. So if you're, if that's something you're worried about that you're avoiding getting a mortgage for, typically those can be avoided. I don't know the current rules on student loans, but mm. some of them are very frustrating. Um, I know RD specifically used to require no matter what your student loan payment was, whether it was zero or you were paying a lowered amount or whatever, rural development would make us use 1% of whatever the student loan balance was as your monthly payment. Um, The other thing, so credit scores are incredibly fickle. 
Credit scores can be affected by the most ridiculous things. It can be dependent on what time in the month you pull the credit report and whether your credit card payment has posted or your credit card company has reported recently. But also, the mortgage companies are required to pull your credit again at the end of the process to make sure that you haven't taken on any new debt. But the problem becomes these credit companies and what happened in your case. So you guys came in, pretty good credit. Yeah, really, yeah, decent. everything's set. You guys actually got screwed twice during your deal. Um, and just as we're approaching the final, you know, the goal line, your um, car insurance company double pulled your payment for the month. Yes. So now it made your bank account look like you don't have enough money to close. And then, a credit card that your husband had paid off somehow the interest that that got charged after it was paid off you, then we uh, got a late fee you got a late fee on this like one dollar yeah. worth of interest that had I think it was like a dollar thirty or something and it reported to your credit as a late payment yeah because you thought you had paid it off you yeah. get a letter you get something in the mail from there and you're like oh i already paid that off you throw it in the still the, furious with them yeah you throw it in the <laughs> in the shred bin and you don't think another thing of it and nobody bothers to tell you anything until it hits your credit one late payment on a credit card that gets reported to your credit dro can drop your credit up to a hundred points holy crap and it it changed your loan yeah it, it hit ryan's score hard enough that your interest rate went had up. to be changed yep. we had to raise your interest rate and ryan called the company and he was like look We've been paying, we paid it off, but whether it was like, maybe we paid it the day it was due or something, I have no idea. After five o'clock? So yeah, like yeah. And so maybe we did post it too late, but he paid it in full and we were like, okay, great, that's done. Mm -hmm. And he called and he was explained what had happened. We had never missed a payment on it and they were still like, no, we can't help you with that. You, yeah. you, you paid late. Yeah, ruining lives over credit scores, which could be another whole topic. My warning to everybody is never consider your house done until you're literally moving your stuff in. So you have those keys in your hand. And like have set foot in the property because anything can change even up until the last minute. I haven't, I mean, I've run into some issues as, now that I'm a realtor now that I'm actually doing real estate transactions. You are transactions. the realtor. I am the <laughs> realtor. Capital uh, A lot of it I circumvent because I know the mortgage process. I know a lot of the tips and sure. tricks and rules yeah. just because of my background and my history. But some of the things that we run into, another FHA rule is that is nationwide but becomes a problem here is well and septic so our county oh, specifically yeah. in living on the north side of this county we have a lot of people that are still have on septic tanks and have wells they're not on public water it's not an option that there's nothing to do but have well and septic fha wants your well and your drain field to be at least 100 feet apart muskegon county requires them to be 50 feet apart. So if you're in Muskegon County and trying to buy a house, you have to get, you have to provide the well and septic 
distances from the health department to the lender. And if it's under 100 feet, because FHA says that's a requirement, they are willing to let you wiggle down if it's 75 feet or more. If it's less than 75 feet, you have to go through a whole paperwork exemption process to get it approved to still be able to buy, which again can delay it weeks or months, depending on how long FHA takes to go through and approve the exemption. I need to talk to whoever created FHA loans. <laughs> right? You kind of mentioned, and something I did want to touch on is if you have a good realtor, uh, every good realtor I know has a story about how they went above and beyond to fix appraisal repairs. Absolutely. A lot of handyman stuff is done by realtors. Not only are your realtors probably going above and beyond if they're good at what they do, but I can't tell you how many jobs I've done that I don't get paid for. Sure. Because they find a house to buy through a relative or someone they know. They don't need a realtor anymore. Something changes in their life and they can't sell their house or they can't buy a new house. It doesn't matter if I've spent two days looking for houses for them or two years. If they decide not to buy a house, if they you decide not to close, do anything. I don't get paid. Yep. Oh, scammers are hitting the mortgage real estate business really hard. But when a house goes up for sale, a lot of scammers are sharing, are stealing the information and putting it on Craigslist or like Facebook Marketplace and either saying that the houses are for rent or they're for sale through them. And then they convince these prospective people, you know, oh, I'm out of town. Yeah, you sound great. Just send me $600 and I will have my guy come give you the key. It's awful. The, I wanna wrap up kind of quickly, kind of about my working for, the, for local government and how that has changed how I do real estate. Because before I got involved with township government, I honestly did not understand how much power our local governments have over the properties we own. So now I know if my client tells me they have something unique they're looking for or something unique they wanna do with property, I know I have to look up the ordinances for the specific area they wanna live to see if that's even allowable. Local governments, whether it's your township or your city or village, can dictate how big your house can be, how small your house can be, how much acreage you need to be able to build somewhere, where you can build on your property, if you can have outbuildings and how big they can be and what they can be used for, how many people can live on your property, how many animals, whether you have commercial property versus residential property. They may require, if you move into, especially some of the new neighborhoods, there might also be an HOA. Other ways they used to be able to use, like deed restrictions, there is a well-known restaurant owner in our area that will buy property around their restaurants and just to be able to put a deed restriction on it that that property can never be used as a restaurant, that property can never sell food, and then they immediately resell the property to whoever will buy it, but it, now it can never in its history ever be used as a restaurant or to sell food. There are easements. An easement is basically somebody else's claim to your property. So if sure. you have a house, your property is landlocked and you need to get a driveway, 
you can ask your neighbor to give you an easement so you drive through their property to get to your house. Yeah. The problem is it's only really been since the 70s and 80s that townships have started paying attention to some things and it's only since even later than that that people have been really good at recording documents. There's also something called a prescriptive easement which is insane to me. A prescriptive easement is an easement that is granted to somebody basically without the owner's permission. It's crazy. There is just so many nuances to real estate and really knowing what you're getting into and understanding what you're buying and what you're up against and knowing that it's not you it's the process, it's the loan type, it's the house, it's the government. It's the buyer, it's the it's, seller, yeah. it's... And, and these deals get sideways and they go crazy and it's not your realtor's fault. That was a whole lot of real estate dopamine that didn't really end on a happy note. But I did like it quite yeah. a lot. I learned a lot. I, I feel like my head is swimming with information now, <laughs> but I like that. So my whole idea for the topics when I came up with Roanoke and uh, Dun Dudley Town, those darn Dudleys, <laughs> those Dudleys, was that I was looking for cities and towns and places that either kind of disappeared mysteriously, or had like a sordid kind of creepy past. So that's how I came up with those two. But I also came up with dozens. I'm not gonna go over dozens, but I found so many great stories that are debatable whether they're real or not like this is bordering so much on conspiracy theory and urban legend and i love it Yay. i'm gonna go over several small stories because these we don't know if they're real or not and because of that we don't have a ton of information right. on them so the very first one potentially my favorite because i really like this story it's called Urkhammer, iowa it's a little town in Iowa, and in 1928, they were taking aerial pictures over Iowa. And when they got over Urkhammer, and they took the photos, and then they got back and looked at the prints, there was no town there. It was just, like, forest land. The other, <laughs> this is my favorite story for Urkhammer. There was a man who was traveling, and he had to stop in Urkhammer for gas. And this was at the time of like gas station attendants mm -hmm. so they filled up his car and he paid and he drove away and as he's driving away he gets out of town and he looks down and he realizes there's no gas in his car They're, they didn't put gas in his car so he's upset his money is gone mm -hmm. so he turns around to go back and he's driving towards the town and he can see the town but he never actually can make it to the town his car runs out of gas eventually so he starts walking and he can see the skyline of this town, but he cannot get there. And eventually, another passing motorist stopped and said, Hey, man, where are you headed? Are you okay? What's up? And the guy explained, Well, I just stopped in Urkhammer, and they ripped me off. And he was really upset, and rightfully so. And he said, My car ran out of gas, and I am headed back there because I need my gas, or I need my money, and I need, really, I need both. Somebody needs to help me. <laughs> I need to go. So this guy said, are you talking about that way? Any points from the way Urkhammer is supposed to be? And the guy says, yes, that's where I came from. The guy driving the car said, 
I'm sorry, I didn't, I've been driving this way for a real long time and I did not go through town. So he helps the motor, or the guy that had been stranded. He, I don't know where they went to get gas or anything, but not they did. Ever. Well, the guy returned back to wherever he was coming from, his hometown, and ended up checking himself into a mental institution because he was so messed up from this strange interaction. Later on, a newspaper runs an article about an Urkhammer and how it doesn't exist because of all these weird stories. And this woman calls into the newspaper and says, I'm really offended that you ran this article. I live and work and I am a teacher in Urkhammer. And she says, I've lived here my whole life and I still live here and I teach students here right now. And then the final fun story from Urkhammer was that there were these boys out camping. They were camping near Urkhammer and they needed supplies. So they sent one of the boys to the local convenience store, which happened to be an Urkhammer. So he approaches the store and he goes to step into the store and push the door open and his foot goes through like the step up into the store. He can see through the windows that there are people in the store, but it's as if it's a mirage and it's like made of smoke. He goes through it. So he runs back to his friends. He's like, you guys aren't going to believe this. So they all go, they all experience it. They return and they, they go to the police station, which is hilarious. What are the police going to do? Right. <laughs> you gotta come see this. You have to fix this Exactly. Thing. Someone's messing with the grocery store. There are and ghosts. Exactly. <laughs> And they had the same experience at the police station. So anybody who claims that they've been to Urkhammer says that the people who lived there are pale and either mute or very quiet and that they're really strange. So the only sad thing about Urkhammer is that it is likely a work of fiction that came from like a creepypasta or something. Mm -hmm. Which makes me sad because it's super great. The next one I like. This one, to me, has the most possibility to be real out of these stories. Okay. This is called Angakuni Lake. And this story kind of comes about from the 1930s. So Angakuni is a lake, obviously. What? You won't believe it. <laughs> and it is in Canada, in one of the northernmost territories very low population the capital in this area had 7,000 people it's so little is there was a fur trapper and he saw that there was a storm coming through and so he was gonna head to this little village that he knew it was an Inuit village he was familiar he'd been there before they were very friendly it was a very small village but really kind and it was gonna survive him through the storm so he approaches and there's no hustle and bustle or anything and he's thinking that's kind of weird so he yells out hello and kind of waits for yeah yeah kind of yeah <laughs> i need to hide from the storm the storm is coming and my toes are cold, cold. <laughs> and so he yells out and he gets no reply and it's looking really weird. So he approaches and sees that there's no one there. But the creepiest part is that there are food, clothing, rifles, like half-eaten meals about. Which is always the creepiest part. So creepy! Like, 
It's picture a cup of coffee that's like frozen into an ice cube. <laughs> or still steaming, right. which is oh, even creepier. Even worse, yeah. <laughs> he, he described, the fur trapper, described this little village as a friendly little Eskimo village of about 30 inhabitants that he had known for many years. And I say that he explained it this way because Eskimo is not an okay term any longer. Right. So I don't want anyone to think that's coming from me. So he did wait out the storm and then he returned to the police and they all returned and searched and they never found a trace of these people. So <laughs> they, well, okay, let me, let me say this first. There is a very popular woman who claims to have been abducted by aliens, who said that while she was being abducted by aliens, she saw the people from this village also having been abducted by the aliens. However, it is more likely that either the village never existed, it, it, they can't find it nowadays, they don't know where it would have been. It's more likely that it never existed or that it was exaggerated. The people left for a reason and even in an article that wrote about this later on it said that the fur trapper actually found a single rusty rifle and dog corpses. Oh. I know. That's not half-eaten food I know. on the table. I hate that part. This was probably a story that was kind of overtaken by the media and, and burst out of proportion. Mm -hmm. Alright, so my next one would probably be the second most likely on this right. list to have existed. And this is called Hoer Verde. Yes. H-O-E-R. Hoer Verde. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you must be very careful. <laughs> and the story is that a local village nearby was supposed to trade with them, and their traders never showed up. This was 1923. So some people from the, some explorers from the town decided to go check and find out what happened. They were going to kind of bring their wares or see if they could get them to come or whatever. Hey guys, what's going on? Exactly. Are we still friends? <laughs> can we hang out this Friday? <laughs> so they arrived and they noticed that the trade ship was docked and it was safe and it was in fine condition, but they also noticed that no one was working on the docks. Which is very strange. Um, this was a town of about 600 people. Um, the town was pretty small, but it did have like a little school and, you know, little homes and things like that. Obviously so, some trading going exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. They did something. So it was really strange that it was barren. So they kind of checked around the town and really all that they could find was a gun that had been fired the day before. And then on the blackboard in the school was a message written that said, there is no salvation, which is super, super creepy. Right. <laughs> now, at the time, Brazil was in, this was in Brazil, by the way. Oh, good. Fun information. <laughs> Semi-important. A little bit. story. <laughs> so at the time, Brazil was in sort of a internal war. So they were actually having trouble with guerrilla militia. Okay. But the weird thing is that the guerrilla militia, the guerrilla militia really took credit for what they did. So if this town had been taken by them or even killed by them or attacked or whatever it was, they would have been bragging. About they would it. probably, it was like, like planted their flag. Exactly. It was sort of like the, um, the idea that the Germans would have torpedoed the Titanic. Right. 
and not taking credit for it. It says war. They were trying to make people afraid. They wanted to get their way. Probably wouldn't have written no salvation. Exactly. We win. We win. (laughs) (laughs) There is no salvation but us. (laughs) Obviously. Something along those lines. (laughs) The only other thing, or the, I guess the other big thing, it's not a little thing, is that this would be a really strange name for a town in Brazil. Because hoer is not a word in Brazil. In Portuguese, I think it's what it is. Portuguese. And verde is green in mm-hmm. Portuguese. However, in Dutch, hoer is a derogatory word for a sex worker. So, makes sense. I mean, it would have been like, ho green. Right. <laughs> right. And that doesn't really make sense. And kind of lends to the idea that it's a made-up story. Exactly. Like, the name's... Kind of goofy. Exactly. And, and someone who was like, oh, this sounds Brazilian. Yeah. Weirdly enough, they think that this might have come from a Russian newspaper really? in the 70s. So that's that's as far back as they can trace the origins of the story. Like they were trying to spread some sort of rumor. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's just for funsies, like yeah. a... An, interesting article like a story article or something well and you mentioned a lot of these are old 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 like 1923 or older and it i did wonder like how do we determine when something's from that age if it was written as like a historical this is what happened or like this is the scary story we tell our children so that they stay inside at night exactly like dudley town right how much of that was natural factors that looked kind of scary at the time because they didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So I do think that this one holds like a level of it could be true. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a bit more than Urkhammer, which, you know, is a portal into like another world. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Mul- or... Alternate dimension Urkhammer in yeah. a different, yeah. Somehow a secret town that just wants to steal people's money and then send them on their way. <laughs> yeah, but they're sad. Yeah, it's very strange. It's really, I mean, it's kind of fun, mm-hmm. but it's really hard to start believing. Right. So this next one is is a real town. This does exist. The stories about it are probably greatly exaggerated. So this is Happy Valley, Valley Happy Valley. In Williamstown, New York. Sounds like my kind of place. Exactly. It's not. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me destroy are your there joy. lights there? <laughs> so many. That's where all the lights converge. <laughs> Hope there's no frogs. It was originally founded as the town of Fraser, and this was 1850. Since again, we're way back in time. Mm-hmm. It was a farming community, and it had homes, a school, a church... The main street of the town was called Happy Valley, which is fun and sort of creepy. It seems like when things are called happy, they're not. Right. It's like when you dog, when you dog, when you name a dog Angel, it's not. It's never. It will bite you. This town was abandoned during the Great Depression, and you can actually visit it still. So the story about this is that the townsfolk, the men specifically, of course, angered a witch that lived on the outskirts of town and that she cursed the town. And once she did that, they were all overcome by black fever and died. Um, The town is haunted by several different ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, The most prevalent 
is a Civil War soldier who has a hook for a hand. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that there are very many Civil War soldiers buried in their cemetery. Oh. And one of them did have a hook for a hand. So that's kind of creepy. Right. Now it was selected to become a forest preserve. So nowadays it's visitable, but you have to respect all the rules. And in reality, people were actually paid by the government to leave because they wanted the land for farming and stuff like that. So they were paid to get out, which could become a really great creepy story, but it's really not. It's really quite boring. (laughs) Maybe the government paid them to get out because... Because of the witch. The witch was pissed. Mm -hmm. The pissed witch. They have to keep her happy. Yeah. They convinced all these people to go. Well, she'll take us or, all down. Yeah, she's probably luring children into the woods to eat them. <gasps> yeah, and this was the only way to protect the residents of the town was to pay them to leave. Those are my four mysteries. Mm-hmm. I do have a few, just very quick, that I couldn't skip because they were fun. I love these. <laughs> so there is a town in Centralia, Pennsylvania, and it is on fire forever. Maybe not forever. But in 1962, something ignited a fire within their coal mines that were no longer in use. Mm -hmm. And since then, beneath the town in these mines is a fire. It is still burning. It it will probably burn for the next hundred years or so. And because the burning is causing sulfur and carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide? Sure. It's causing a bad thing. Yeah, bad air. Exactly. Air bad. (laughs) Air bad. Don't breathe. (laughs) Don't breathe. People had to leave. They had to leave the town. In the late 80s, the government bought the entire town and said, you all need to leave. In 1992, they evicted everyone, but a very tiny group of people, and ended up only being eight left, fought to stay. And I don't know why. <laughs> and they still are able to live there, but only them. Like they don't. They don't think they can have families that continue to live there. Mm-hmm. And once they're gone, That's this it. whole town will be empty. That's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. And you can actually visit it. I, I assume that short-term visiting mm-hmm. isn't gonna hurt you too badly. So you can visit and road trip right you do have to be careful because these buildings are owned by the government and Mm -hmm. so you you don't have rights to them and some of them families still live in so you don't have the rights to those either but yeah out of those the entire town these eight families eight people are left crazy trying to decide what type of person would fight that hard to stay in a city town place like that with only seven other people. And it, it's, I believe the government paid to relocate the people who left. Like, they offered them sums yeah, of money like to go. It wasn't like they were too poor to move. Yeah. Or they could never, yeah. It's crazy. So, um, the next is Bodie, California, which is, I really want to visit this one. So, this was an old west town. Ooh, I love and it was kind of one of those, like when you, <laughs> when you see the rowdy town in the old western movie where like they played piano and drank and shot and like had shootouts in the street. Mm-hmm. This is kind of that town. This is what it was like. And then 
the two mills that were in town burned down. And at that point, it destroyed the economy and everything. So it just sort of closed down. But it became a historic park in 1962, and it's still set up like it was. Really? Like the so OG town. Good to go visit this yeah. old western town that basically is never never touched. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is super cool. Yeah. This one I had to put in because it was Norway. Pyramiden, Norway. So this is up in the Arctic Circle and it used to be a mining town and then during World War II it, it thrived but collapsed after because it was unneeded uh, along with the rest of the Soviet Union in the 90s. Then, weirdly enough, there was a huge devastating plane crash killing some of the residents oh. of the town. So, at that point, people were leaving in droves. 1998, most people left. It is now empty. But what I thought was really creepy is that there is a statue of Lenin that overlooks the town still. Ooh. Which is so ick. I don't... Right. Mm-mm. This one I put in very specifically because it has to do with Michigan. Alright. Fordlandia, Brazil. I'm gonna read this one so I don't get any of the details incorrect. If this abandoned city sounds like a made-up place, that's because it is. In 1928, Henry Ford bought and built the town of Fordlandia in Brazil. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was hoping to turn it into a worker's paradise and an anchor for the business in South America. Ford carried out widespread deforestation in order to plant rubber trees, which did not take and suffered a blight. Then, in the meantime, the workers rioted due to a lack of food. And with Henry Ford getting sick at that point, it was sold back to Brazil. And the town is still there, but just rusted. Oh my gosh. So icky. I don't like it. Icky. You tell I'm a mother. Uh, And this is the last one, and I did have to put this in because I thought this was fascinating. So this is Kowloon Walled City in Hong Kong. It it had 33,000 people living in it, and it was dubbed the most crowded place on earth in the second half of the 20th century. So... It was the size of a city block. Yes. Size of 33,000. Upward of 33,000 people. It was the size of a city block. It consisted of 300 connected buildings. And it was, I mean, kind of what you would picture something that crowded to be. It was a hub for bad stuff drugs and crime and businesses that weren't legal any of that stuff it was also able to be there and be such because it was stuck between the then british hong kong and chinese government so neither man's land yes neither one could quite take over it and probably neither one wanted to really because it was just full of scum they decided to dismantle the city and over a five-year period they evicted everyone they started dismantling it in 1993 but look up pictures it's really cool i'm very excited about this kind of an old decrepit shell now so anyway i'm picturing that one like the setting of ready player one Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I where everybody's see like crowded on top of each other and yes. secret passageways and everything's connected and now I want to write a book about it. <laughs> I imagine the things that went on there were unfathomable. And it was not, it couldn't have been a safe place to be. Right. But I really had a good time looking into these cities. I didn't get the results that I thought I was going to yeah. get. I thought I was going to get at least one or two towns that had just been evacuated, like by the government or mm-hmm. something. And no one knew why and no one's seen these people again. But I guess that's sort of sort of more of a story than an actual reality. Yeah. And like Or an they don't legend. have them on the internet. So I... I don't know what I expected from this. And this does kind of wrap up my my strange cities for mm-hmm. now. There's a chance I could go back and visit them, especially if I find some more rich information. I really enjoyed these cities that used to be something mm-hmm. and then just for some reason are gone. I know they were really brief, but they were so interesting. Yeah. And like you said, make me want to get on and like look up pictures yeah. and see how this worked and... I wonder if I could, maybe I can find some pictures of these ones that we, for sure, I'll, I'll write a note and see yeah, what I can find. <laughs> so what's your next obsession? So I have a few things. I, I think I might go with some, I can't seem to get away from the creepy. I I'm, think it's. I'm liking it. I think it's because it gives me something that I don't normally look into because mm-hmm. it gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I'm kind of thinking I might go into, like, creatures, mysterious Ooh. creatures. So, like, Bigfoot, the dog man of Michigan. There's a lot to search, so mm-hmm. I guess it's good to have a lot of options. I know I actually have a whole another list somewhere of ideas. I've been noticing my brain doing that more often, like... Yes. Uh, it'll just be like, oh, that would be a cool thing to spend 15 minutes researching. Oh, I can make it a podcast. All the stuff that I've always wanted to research or just spend a little bit of time thinking about, and now I have an excuse to. Right. To be like, oh, I have work to do. I have to research. Yes, yes. Real estate or monsters or cities. I have to look up pictures of baby coyotes. Yes. Yeah. I have to <laughs> defend coyotes right now and talk about this book. I love it. I'm enjoying it immensely. If anybody has any suggestions for us, let yeah. us know. You can reach us on, I don't know if we've said this before, but we're on all the social media. All of them. You can do that, or you can email us at dungeonsdopamine at yahoo.com. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to see it. We might not be if able to get to it immediately. Or on Facebook, you can message us. Yeah. You don't have to post it anywhere. Yeah. You don't have to be public about it. Exactly. Some weeks it's hard to find the dopamine, and I don't want to research anything. Yeah. I don't want to do the things. But maybe if it was a suggestion from somebody else that I had thought about, it might trigger that hyper-focus. And, and that we are. part of my brain that is like, ooh, shiny. But anyway, hopefully I'll be able to cut this episode down some. This. But if not, you know a lot. the longest episode that's ever. ever episoded. It's over two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. So this is Dungeons and Dopamine. Thanks for listening. We love you. Okay, bye.